This is the Hoosier Ad Today morning podcast. Welcome to the 29th of December, 2022. I'm Andy Eubank with the Thursday podcast brought to you by First Farmers Bank and Trust, proudly serving local farms, families, and agribusiness for over 135 years. They're online at ffbt.com. Coming up, the latest Indiana farm news, including a Purdue Ag professor on corn versus soybean planting decisions for next year. C.J. Miller with that report. Eric Pfeiffer checks in with John Deere and the future of farming. The markets yesterday, strong Tom Fritz analysis. And Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin says the mild temperatures are here. Some colder weather, though, is coming back soon. This is Who's Your Ag Today in the morning podcast. The land of the free is also the home of the hardworking. What if this is the year you take your farm operation to the next level? At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we're proud to serve the people who not only work until the sun goes down, but until the job is done. With over 135 years of commitment to agriculture, we'll find the solution that's right for your operation today and tomorrow. Visit ffbt.com to learn more. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC. The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuel. It's uh, Memorial Day weekend, going to be 87 to 89, maybe low 90s all weekend. So we thought we'd bring Scott Heine in. So we'll talk about home heat. <laughs> <laughs> to agriculture. Anytime we can help a farmer grow their business and meet their goals, that's a proud moment for me. And, well, other things. For some reason, like and subscribe. We don't know why, but that's important. We want you to do it on your own, but we're going to tell you. <laughs> Listen now on all platforms. Advice from a Purdue Ag professor on continuous corn or soybeans for 2023 and the future of John Deere tractors. I'm C.J. Miller, and this is Hoosier Ag Today. Well, if you're an Indiana farmer, you may be deciding now what to plant and where to plant it this spring based off of rising input cost and current commodity prices. And that's why one Purdue Ag professor has some advice for you for 2023. Right now, it definitely soybeans look more profitable than corn. Having said that, a lot of people stick with a 50-50 rotation. And that's Dr. Michael Langemeyer, Purdue professor of ag economics and associate director for Purdue's Center for Commercial agriculture. He says it's likely not a good idea to plant continuous corn this spring. Continuous corn just does not look that competitive unless there's some kind of change in corn prices vis-a-vis soybean prices, i.e. corn price is stronger uh, and soybean price stays the same. Continuous corn just does not look like it's going to be feasible or a good year for continuous corn in 23. However, when it comes to deciding on soybeans, Langemeyer recommends that producers consider the overall net return of each crop. And so factor in both the cost and the revenue when you're comparing the corn versus soybeans. Like I said, right now, soybeans looks better. That could change the next three months. So just make sure that you use net returns rather than just cost of production because it is going to cost a lot to put that corn crop in. Certainly, there can be situations where it's $1,200 an acre to put the corn crop in. He also recommends budgeting out several different cash flow scenarios for the next 12 months. Use a most likely price for your cash flows, but also think about what what would happen if I had really low corn and soybean prices? What would happen if I had really high corn and soybean prices and then plan uh, accordingly? And so rather than doing one cash flow, do three cash flows. And and the reason for that is because of all the uncertainty uh, we're living through right now. Read more at HoosierAgToday.com. 
Well, you remember the Jetsons. It seems that the cartoon about the future really set the stage for some of today's technology, such as smartwatches, flat-screen TVs, even drones. Eric Pfeiffer reports how John Deere's autonomous tractors could have also been inspired by the Jetsons. We've all been talking about this ever since we were kids. That's Matt Olson, John Deere's precision ag go-to-market manager, talking about their new autonomous tractor that was unveiled at the beginning of 2022 with the Consumer Electronics Show. We made this decision because of customers pulling us in this direction, saying that this labor issue is serious and that they need support and technology can help solve, but also just helping farmers understand I could be using my time elsewhere more beneficially. Olson says those autonomous tractors will be available soon, but in the meantime, the John Deere equipment currently in the field is able to collect mountains of data that farmers can use to increase yield and profitability. Oftentimes, though, farmers can get bogged down in all the data that's captured. Olson encourages you to tell yourself, I'm a farmer. I want the outcome. I may not have the time or some of the experience around data analysis, but the industry is full of experts that have that knowledge, and the farmer is in control of of that data, and they can share that data with whoever they choose and share only what they need that person to receive to be able to bring those insights back to them. So the key thing I would challenge farmers to think about is to say, how can I get more from my data? And it's not all on my shoulders alone. The industry is there, and John Deere dealers are there to support them as well. Learn more at Deere.com. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. And I'm C.J. Miller. Who's your ag today? Timely, relevant, credible. Your operating loan for your farm needs to cover all that could be. That's why Farm Credit Mid-America offers flexible financing options to take care of the day-to-day so you can free up capital to maximize opportunities for your farm. Use our online banking or mobile app to conveniently check funds so you always know how much cash you have on hand and can plan for what's ahead. To find an operating loan that works for you, visit e-farmcredit.com. Subject to credit approval, additional terms and conditions may apply. Farm Credit Mid-America is an equal opportunity lender. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. Mild air dominating over Indiana here today. It's coming up on a nice southwest flow. It's a bit breezy across Indiana with these southwest winds, but that's what it takes to warm us up, and so I'm not going to complain too much. The other thing we're seeing develop here for your Thursday after a sunny start, clouds are going to start to increase here as we have some moisture coming together over Arkansas and the lower to middle Mississippi River Valley. That's going to throw some clouds into Indiana from southwest to northeast, but no precipitation. I am not concerned about precipitation here today. Now, getting past midnight tonight, yeah, we start to see a little bit of hit and miss scattered rain shower activity and that continues all the way through Friday tomorrow and through a good chunk of Saturday. I think combined we're looking at quarter to three quarter inch rainfall totals with coverage around 80% of the Hoosier State. The north and northwest areas are going to be the most likely to get missed with this rain and then we take a little bit of a break for Saturday night, Sunday and Monday. As a matter of fact I think we see a resurgence of mild temperatures in that time frame so above normal temperatures for Sunday and Monday. We're looking at that coming in ahead of a monster storm complex overnight Monday night through Tuesday into early Wednesday. We're looking at rain and potentially thunderstorms, and this is going to give us anywhere from a quarter to one inch of rain. Yes, we're still talking all rain. Coverage 100% of the Hoosier State. Cold air will start rushing in behind. 
unlike the prior system where the cold air rushed in and we saw a lake effect and some snow, that doesn't happen this time. I think our Wednesday is going to be dry with a mix of clouds and sunshine as the colder air surges in, and we are not going to be as cold as the last time around. We stay chilly, though, for Friday the 5th and into Saturday the 6th. Looking at temperatures moderating maybe late Saturday into Sunday the 7th, that will be ahead of another area of low pressure. That low pressure zone is looking to put down moisture over the upper Midwest and Michigan, likely not putting together much for Indiana, at least the way it looks right now. I do think that after this active start for the first full week of 2023, we're likely going to calm things down a little bit, but we're also going to cool things down quite a bit as well. I'm seeing a large part of the western United States getting very cold for the week of the 9th, and that's going to spill over into our area as well eventually. That's the way your forecast is stacking up. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin. A solid move in the grains and oil seeds. This is Who's Your Ag Today. I'm Andy Eubank with the Wednesday Farm Market Review. It's brought to you by Seed Genetics Direct. The year is ending, but savings aren't. Save 9% until January 10. And bundle seed and herbicide to save more. SeedGeneticsDirect.com. Everything up on Wednesday. We have numbers coming up as we check the settlements. First, market analysis. And for that, at the end of trade, I checked in with Tom Fritz at EFG Group in Chicago. Tom, green on the board. It was a black Wednesday as the markets move into stronger territory, especially strong in the bean market, and really a pretty good close, too, for these markets, closing near the highs. Oh, it was an excellent close, uh, you know, unlike yesterday. Uh, but, uh, you know, as far as uh, the corn market's concerned, uh, March bean or soybeans and soybean meal, um, I have to think it's all about, uh, you know, the uh, questionable growing conditions in Argentina. Um, you know, last weekend we were supposed to see some decent rain and uh, it was too widely scattered. Coverage wasn't very good. Amounts weren't very good. And, uh, you know, they're uh, moving into the near term, another dry spell uh, with temperatures that are, you know, forecasted to reheat, if you will. So uh, Argentina continues to be a a point of contention here. Um, You know, the folks are saying, well, you know, can Brazil offset? Well, okay, soybean meal, you know, took it on the chin yesterday because soybean oil was the, uh, you know, the leader. And soybean oil is, as far as I'm concerned, never a very good leader uh, as far as soybeans are concerned. Um, you know, and that just goes back to, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, uh, a bushel of soybeans is, uh, what, 60 pounds? And soybean meal uh, makes up, what, 44, 46 pounds? And I think soybean oil is maybe 11, 12 pounds. So soybean meal is always going to be you know, the leader for the soybean market. So yesterday, soybean meal market broke because of uh, some really big uh, soybean oil, soybean meal spreading. Uh, Yesterday, soybean oil was all about higher crude oil prices, higher palm oil prices. And uh, both of those uh, influences retreated today. So soybean oil gives it all back. So, but in turn, so many people who trade soybean oil and trade soybean meal, they're involved in that spread, so look at what the meal market does. Uh, the meal market uh, even outperformed yesterday's early rally. Uh, you know, so that's a bit of an eye opener. Uh, soybeans get back uh, what almost ninety percent, ninety five percent of yesterday's break. And uh, you know, from a technical standpoint, you know, the flip flop may drive you nuts, but uh, you know, it's 
still says, uh, you know, as long as we're worried about Argentina and we're not sure if Brazil can offset, um, you know, the uh, market wants to go higher. Um, chatter about uh, China reopening, no, I'm not buying into it. Uh, you know, China has announced, okay, we're no longer going to report, um, you know, the uh, number of virus cases, the number of deaths due to virus cases. Uh, but, uh, you know, they've relaxed their uh, protocols involving the virus, supposedly reopened their borders. But, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you go around in other countries of Asia, oh, you're from China? You're going in quarantine. You're not coming in. So, you know, I, I think a lot of folks are uh, kind of in disbelief as to whether or not is China really opening. And, you know, you look at other markets that are relying on China, like cotton. Cotton doesn't believe China's reopening. You know, they've been under pressure. So uh, I think this is mostly uh, all about, uh, you know, potential losses in Argentina. And you have to remember, Argentina is the world's largest exporter of soybean meal. So, you know, if their crop's going to be in jeopardy, well, that's going to put the onus back on uh, U.S. supply. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the uh, as long as Argentina's in question and the forecast in the near term don't look too spiffy, longer term, yeah, they're going to say, okay, weather's going to improve, uh, you know, 10 days out from now. 10 days out from now, you can't even call three days out from now. So, you know, it's, it's, it's questionable. And I think the corn market goes along for the ride. Once again, Argentina, they're a primary corn exporter. So, uh, you know, I don't think our exports in, uh, for corn here in the U.S. have shown that much improvement lately. In fact, you know, I'm still with the uh, frame of mind that uh, come January 12th, the USDA, I wouldn't be surprised to see the USDA lower U.S. corn exports unless they feel that Argentina is in such uh, dire straits, if you will, uh, that, you know, they'll leave our exports unchanged. But I think that's what's in the corn market. Wheat market helps out a little bit. Uh, you know, yesterday the wheat market was all about winter kill. Uh, so why does uh, Chicago outperform Kansas City when Chicago's a soft wheat contract and the soft wheat areas do have some snow cover, whereas you look at the uh, hard red wheat areas, um, no snow cover in Oklahoma. Uh, only half of uh, Kansas has snow cover, and that's the eastern half. And the majority of the wheat in Kansas is central and west. So, you know, I question what's going on in the Chicago wheat market other than year-end short covering. Uh, the speculative sector, they've been short Chicago wheat for what seems like an eternity. But uh, in reality, it's months. So, uh, you know, with that said, you know, okay, I'm uh, just saying rally in Chicago wheat is all about year-end short covering. But, uh, you know, going forward, last two days of the year, you know, we could be up for grabs here a little bit, especially since, you know, we're on uh, many extremes here. So, uh, you know, I think going forward for tomorrow and Friday, um, we could continue to see some uh, whipsaw action, if you will. Tom Fritz at EFG Group in Chicago. Now the Wednesday settlements, eight cents higher in corn. March, 682 and three quarters, up eight. May up eight and a quarter, 681 and a half. Beans up over 20 cents. January, 1506 and a half, 24 and a quarter higher. March, 1514 and a quarter, up 25 and a quarter. March wheat, 11 cents up, going to 785 and a half. 
Meat markets mixed with February live cattle, seven cents lower, 157.80. February lean hogs, 90.80. That was down 67. I'm Andy Eubank with the Wednesday Market Review. This is Who's Your Ag Today? Timely, relevant, credible.